Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be discussing details from previous episodes. I'm Harrison, and if I had to choose my possession, uh, I would go with Dawn's, because it looked fun. (laughs) You just want to breathe fire. I do! Uh, I'm Jason, and honestly, with all the stress of the holidays, I did not need the existential dread that this episode provided to pile onto it. Yeah. (laughs) But Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? Oh, well, I'm delighted to say that we are watching Buffy Season 6, Episode 3, After Life. Um, this is the one that picks up right where Bargaining Part 2 ends, um, and we follow Buffy as she acclimates back to her life. While also dealing with a demon that was created by her resurrection. So, things are going great. Afterlife was written by our girl Jane Espenson and directed by David Solomon and originally aired on October 9th, 2001. Fuck yeah. Hit it. All right, Jason. Yep. What are you drinking? Red, red wine. Yeah. I am drinking some vodka mixed with a some V8 juice called uh, Island Straw or no, Strawberry Island. It was uh, strawberries and kiwi and I think maybe some pineapple juice in there. Um, I love the fresas. Yeah. So, um, actually, so before we do our toast. Uh oh. Uh, I'm doing something a little special. Okay. So, uh, so preface. Last night, trust me, this all tracks. Okay. Um, uh, last night, I discovered something about John that I never knew, um, which is kind of amazing because we've been together for 11 years. <laughs> um, when he was in high school, he really, really loved reading Jane Austen. Um, and his favorite was Northanger Abbey. Okay. So we own... Four Jane Austen novels. We have Persuasion, and then we have like an omnibus that is Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, and Emma. Um, but we don't have Northanger Abbey. Right. So we were talking about this. I had already gotten all of John's Christmas gifts, but I was like, I'll get him another one because apparently he's getting me an extra one than what we normally do because he waited too long to order something <laughs> and it's not coming till after Christmas. Okay. So I was like, all right, so I already know that he's getting me something. So I went to Carmichael's today and I got a copy of Northanger Abbey. And then I found something, Jason. You found what did you find? I found something that I think you'll really enjoy, and I really hope you don't already have it. But you Mer- got me a present. I did. Merry Christmas. Oh my gosh, I, guys! I didn't know this. Like, <laughs> I, oh, that did is... you notice how tightly I was like hugging my laptop to me when I was carrying it through? I didn't. I, it's because I, I had that pet present like behind it, and when you cl- went to close the door, that I like slipped it under the. Wow, um, you are some kind of sorcerer. <laughs> I. I feel really bad I didn't get you anything. You don't have to feel bad. But that, You've got plenty of time. That's so nice. <laughs> Do you want me to unwrap this yes, on, yes, on, on mic? Okay. Um, so I do have this. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, I will give you the receipt uh, so you can go exchange it for something else like the Carmichael's. <laughs> no, like, and it's funny because I actually did get this at Carmichael's. The uh, audience, what he got for me um, is... And, you know, 
it just shows how much Harrison knows me because <laughs> over the past couple of years, I've been like, ever since the beginning of 2021, I've like gotten super back into the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. And um, this book is called The Science of Middle Earth. And uh, it's a book that's kind of about talking how physics and stuff would work in Middle Earth and um, geology and uh, like the geology of Mount Doom and oh, cool. stuff like that. Um, and uh, the thing is, like, I bought this. Um, it might have been early this year because I was at uh, Carmichael's and I saw that. And even though it's not written by Tolkien, I was like, oh, that looks cool. And so I ended up picking that up. Uh, but no, that was a very wonderful thought. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I was looking through the Tolkien like section because they have a lot of cool additions. Of, but like... But I was like, I know, I like, I know you have the Silmarillion, and like, you have like nice I have editions. two editions of the Silmarillion yeah. and the Lord of the Rings. I've yeah. got like a, a big like single volume, like that that one that was released last year mm-hmm. that had the illustrations by the professor himself, and then like a box set that I've had for years. Yeah. Um, they had some that were cool, like of uh, like unfinished tales, and um, there was another one. Oh, I can't remember what it was, but, uh, well, <laughs> I'm glad you like it. I was, uh, I like it so much. Out. I already have a copy. Oh my gosh. Well, no, no. Like I said, that, that's such a wonderful thought and it's so nice. Thank well, you. Cheers. Merry Christmas. That's my toast is Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And to all the holidays that we yes. celebrate. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Solstice. We are doing this on the Solstice, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, human light, uh, uh, Saturnalia. If there are people who still celebrate that, <laughs> um, but yeah, like in you know whatever wh- whatever you celebrate, this yeah. seems to be the time of year for some pretty holy days. So. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, <laughs> with that, let's talk about really depressing shit. Yeah. Um. I first off just want to commend Jay Nespenson, uh, for writing outside of her usual genre um of course we associate her with with comedy episodes and there is obviously some humor in this episode but uh it, like dawn breathing fire it's, it's light <laughs> it's light humor yeah um, no, this is um this is a very interesting episode of buffy because um it does the very very rare Thing where it focuses solely on um, character work and a little bit of horror aspect. Mm-hmm. There's no action to it with like, you know, the very brief when the ghost becomes corporeal. Yeah. It's it's almost a bottle episode. Yeah, like... because the, 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 only, the only cast members you have apart from like, you know, your ghost or your demon and uh, the random demon biker leaving town yeah like it's just your main cast just the main cast they you know even though tara isn't in the credits she's in the main cast. she's main cast of our hearts yes um yeah just our main cast outside of two guest stars and um and we're pretty well isolated to the summer's house the magic box um and the cemetery and spike's crypt yeah so just all locations we we've already used um which considering the scope of the first two episodes of this season it's not shocking that they scale back a bit for this one Mm -hmm. and i I think that's to the episode's benefit 
it honestly is what needed to be done, mm-hmm. even though like it, it, it comes across a very strange episode. Yeah. So, uh, we have a very, very brief um, cold open where the, um, the secret Scoobies, um, they are, they've decided to return to the Summer's house because they assume that's where Buffy is gone. The bikers are fleeing uh, with their leader dead. And uh, Buffy and Dawn show up at the house. Uh, Dawn's just so great in this episode. Yeah, she... Michelle Trachtenberg and the the two characters I believe um, get more spotlight in this episode than obviously the first bargaining focused on the secret Scoobies uh-huh. the, with just a little bit of emphasis on Spike and uh, Dawn. This episode puts those two at the forefront. Yeah. Um, Dawn cleans Buffy up. She um, she, you know, tries to get her to talk. She shows her around the house. She shows how things are... Uh, Buffy's really focused on what things are different in the house. They've moved some things around in the living room. Obviously, the big change is Tara and Willow are in Joyce's room. She does see a picture of Joyce mm-hmm. and stops and stares at that. Yeah. Um, I noticed that that horrible tacky cat poster thing... That Willow had in her dorm room is has moved into the 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 the, the, the master bedroom. Yeah, and Joyce Summers is rolling over in her grave. Damn, that woman had taste. Okay, <laughs> questionable zombie masks aside, the woman. Yeah, she she got to steal whatever she wanted from the museum. <laughs> yeah, the woman she crafted an elegantly. Uh, elegant and understatedly decorated home and willow comes in with her fucking cat shirt or with fucking cat poster her flayed elmo shirt oh god yeah we sent willow back to jail this week so um but uh while they're while they're in joyce's room though uh willow and tara's room as we'll now have to refer to it uh spike comes into the house looking for dawn he does say that he could <laughs> He could kill her, specifically rip off her head and drink from her brainstem or spinal, uh, spinal he's cord. He's a brainstem. Brainstem. He's, which is graphic as hell. It's very graphic. He's, uh, he, you know, he's mad because he cares. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's talk about James Marster's face for a second. Like, when he sees Buffy come down the stairs... And the moment he re- realizes that it's not the bot, I love Ugh. that. Uh, I love that every every character can tell. Mm-hmm. Like it's so funny because when the Buffy bot first showed up, like the very first episode that she was in, the the big joke was that nobody could tell yeah. her apart from a robot. From, yeah, from a robot. But every time they've seen the resurrected Buffy. All the characters have been able to see. No, that's not the Buffy bot. Yeah, and that I, I really like. That's a good touch. It is. It is. It's really nice. Um, uh, Spike rec- sees that Buffy's uh, knuckles are bloody, which Dawn is like, "Yeah, I don't know what that's about." And Spike's like, "I fucking do," because mm-hmm. uh, I had to crawl out of my grave too. Um, so he sends Dawn off to get some supplies so they can patch her up uh and he sits her down and she asks how long she's been gone and he tells her 147 days which is just shy of five months Mm -hmm. 
Um, and he asks how long she was, where she, how long she was gone from her perspective. And she just says longer, which is a haunting thing to hear her say without the true context of what she's gone through. And then once you know the actual story, it's even worse. It's like, it's so much worse. Um... Then, the secret Scoobies crash land into the Summer's home with the tact of a fucking ram. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're running into that house like the Kool-Aid man. Oh, it's like, Buffy's back, oh yeah! <laughs> I, I'm just like, all, like, I, I'm really gonna put the onus on Willow, but like, all four of them, I was just like, come on y'all. Like, <laughs> Do you want pizza? We can get you pizza. <laughs> and you know, Dawn is trying to be like, hey guys... Back off. Yes. And Spike just dips. Spike's, the second they come in, he he is out of there. Well, and we find out why yeah. in just a couple minutes. And, well, and it's really interesting because they come in and they're like, Buffy, is she here? Is she here? And, of course, Willow's like, um, so you know that she's back too? Interesting. Um, but... You mean uh, Dawn. Dawn. Dawn says yes. that to the secret <laughs> Scoobies. And, you know, she both she and Spike put together, oh... You all did this. Mm -hmm. And uh, to say that they have similar but opposite reactions, would that be, like, they're both happy that Buffy's back. Spike has a little bit more perspective on it, though, than Dawn does. Well, as it's revealed, Dawn is happy that... But she's really just happy that Buffy is truly back. Yeah, and that that's shown when um, when they talk about possibly having to make undo the spell, and she gets Freaks on Willow out. Yeah, like, you can't just bring her back and then take her away. You can't mess with other people's lives like that. Agree. Spike. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Spike is immediately thinking about the consequences, mm-hmm. um, and that's. That's at this point more important than Buffy being back. Mm-hmm. I um, and also the fact that he was that the secret Scoobies locked him out of it. Yeah. Um. So Buffy. Well, also, this... this is kind of our first indication of how Spike, how Spike's relationship with the Scoobies has changed over yeah. this time. Um, we we get like. Obviously, he interacts with Willow when she's repairing the Buffy bot, but the majority of his interactions in bargaining were with Dawn. Right. It does feel like Spike really does consider himself a member of the group mm-hmm. and not an outsider anymore. You know, he's and, always... and he said, and he tells Xander, "I've all the times that she's been gone, like I've worked with you." Yeah. He. I mean, there's. I mean, there's certainly like he's up, like definitely thinking about the consequences and all of that, but I do feel like at least the way that James Marsters plays it, I think his feelings are also hurt. That he was excluded from this really important thing. Like, mm-hmm. he... Um, there's a lot going on in Spike's head. And I think uh, Marsters is really good at letting all of those complex and sometimes competing emotions come out mm-hmm. um, in a way that tracks to me. This is going to be a very interesting season for Spike. Yeah. <laughs> oh, indeed. Um, so, um, 
so Buffy's decided to go to bed. Um, we have uh, this confrontation between Xander and Anya and Spike where um, uh, he brings up the big point that, he, that Willow knew that there was a chance that Buffy could come back wrong and that they would have to do something about that. And that really, as we'll see later, strikes a chord with Xander. Um, but, um, but yes, he is like... And then he says specifically, if you guys did try to get rid of whatever mm-hmm. came back, you knew that I would try to stop you. Yeah. So the feelings for Buffy are still there, but they're different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it seems like it's not a... It's not a um, infatuation mm-hmm. or a very toxic <laughs> behavior becoming of a very toxic man. It is genuine care and mm-hmm. adoration. Yeah, I think his. I think what we we're seeing here is the way his guilt has transformed his his feelings for Buffy. Before it was obsessive, mm-hmm. it was possessive. And it was, it was icky. It was, um, you know, Grace coined the phrase, what a toxic man for a reason, a good reason. Um, but I do, yeah, I think his, his guilt has transformed it into something, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say that those less than positive elements are gone, but, you know, we see him being more tender with her, more, um, more open, um, uh, and you know she's the one she he can she's the one that he is the one that she he, confides in. Thank you. I was like, why am I getting these pronouns all fucked? Um, yeah. Well, the I think it's also <laughs> lack of other choices because oh yes, y- you know it, as we find out at the end of the episode, she c- blames mm-hmm. uh, the secret Scoobies for the for what ha- what has happened. And she doesn't want to share it with Dawn. That leaves Spike because yeah. Giles isn't there. I definitely feel like she, she chooses Spike to talk to because Spike is a sympathetic ear. She knows that he'll listen. She knows that he'll care. But it's also someone that she knows she doesn't have to engage with on it. She knows if she tells her friends. That's going to open up a whole can of worms um, that she doesn't want opened. And um, it's it's almost like, I don't want to say it's a lack of caring for Spike, but it's, she like you said, she doesn't choose Spike because she thinks he's going to be the best person to work through the issues with. Um, he's just the best option yeah, at the he's moment. Yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Spike leaves off reminding us that uh, the thing about magic is always consequences. Um, okay, Regina. <laughs> so, um, a scene that I really wish we could have actually seen happen, uh, but it happens off screen. G- Wello calls Giles to tell him uh, about Buffy's return. He, um, I, I really... I'm very curious about how that conversation went. Uh, and specifically if she says, Buffy's back, or I brought Buffy back. Well, there's a lot of, uh, according to Willow, there's a lot of good lords. And she, at one point, she believes she can hear him cleaning his glasses. <laughs> yes. Um, 
I'm of the opinion that she said, I brought Buffy back. Based on her conversation with Tara, where she kind of reveals that she thought Buffy would be more grateful. Uh, well, I also think with something like this, she can't bullshit uh, Giles. Giles would immediately ask, like, if she says Buffy's back, she would immediately ask how it's possible, how is that possible? And he'd probably be able to tell if she was lying. Oh, so, absolutely. Well, well and, we know Willow's a shit liar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I think that uh, it, the people that she would be most honest with are Tara and Giles. Yeah. Um, and, well, here's, because here's the thing that we know about Willow. She's a bit of a teacher's pet. Mm-hmm. And... Still. Like, yeah. <laughs> and we also know that, yes, her... Her intentions were good in bringing Buffy back but as revealed in this conversation with Tara not entirely motivated by altruism you know big part of it but she clearly wanted Buffy's gratitude and I bet she also wanted a little bit of Giles's uh Giles being impressed by her um Willow's motivations here are largely good but there's some murkiness around the edges of how she's acting. Yeah, I I wouldn't say that gratitude is a motivation, but more like um, an expectation once it's gone right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that um, she did this... I, I don't think um, Buffy being grateful factored into the decision, the motivation to do it, but if it did come out right... Now she is yeah. thinking, oh, well, I hope she'd be a tad grateful. Yeah. And, yeah. It definitely speaks to Willow's mindset that just having her friend back isn't enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want to, you know, I feels like I'm, I, I don't, I want to make it clear. I'm not coming down on Willow and saying she's a bad person for feeling this way because it's just, emotions it's just, are complicated. It's just very different from the Willow that was like ready to even in her hospital bed attempt to reinstall angel yeah yeah um and that's you know this this murkiness around willow this this the sort of shades of gray that's seeping in here are one of the things i just i really love about willow's arc i mean Mm -hmm. if you told me if back in season one you know five seasons from now this chick's gonna murder a baby deer i'd be like she is a baby deer like by the way that baby deer murdering that is brought up. When, uh, <laughs> oh, did you pet it? Did you? Yeah. The blood dried on your hands? So, yeah. Let's talk about that. Because Willow also lies through her fucking teeth to Tara. But Tara's like, did you understand what she was saying? And she's like, the words? Yeah, but oh no. Yeah, that uh, an apparition of Buffy appears mm-hmm. and um, is very, very mean. Aggressive. Yes. Uh, throwing them. glass against the wall. And... Tara and Willow can both see this. Yeah. And, uh, but it seems that it's directly pointed at Willow when it says, uh, do you know what you did? Did did you kill it? Of course you killed it. Um, the blood dried dried on your hands. Yeah. And this scene is, I'll, I'll say a lot of the scenes in this episode are... Pretty like the, the pretty effective in their like horror movie elements. This one and the Anya one in particular. I think the Anya one when you first get the glimpse of the whited out eyes that mm-hmm. that like took me by surprise. I honestly 
only remembered the last scene from this episode and nothing else. <laughs> so um, I'm not gonna lie, like I, I jumped a little bit when I saw the Anya like carving her face up scene, uh, and yeah, the the uh, the Buffy the the Buffy apparition like pr- pretty pretty good just because of like a Sarah Michelle Gellar like really creeping you out with that performance. But. Yeah, they because ha- they have her in the shadows. They a lot of this episode is happening in darkness mm-hmm. uh, because they are very well aware that the Summer's house at night is a spooky place to be. Um, but uh, Sarah's like really all good. All those and, demons oh. and all that crap. <laughs> Um, and I think what helps sell it too, before we realize that it's not Buffy, is that Buffy's fucking like strong. Like, if I were Willow and Tara in this position, I'd be like, I'd be terrified. She's <laughs> about to kick our asses, <laughs> right? Um, but when Willow turns the light on, the apparition disappears. Uh, just to check, they go peek into Buffy's room, and she's sound asleep. Um, we did not mention that before Buffy went to bed, she was looking at some pictures of her, her and her friends. Uh, one picture in particular that is of, uh, Willow and Anya that I guarantee is a behind the scenes shot (laughs) of Emma and Allison because they are looking too happy to be in a picture with one another. (laughs) Um, Maybe this is just post Olaf the Troll encounter. Um... Uh, well, I have to go back and look, but it looked like the picture in the picture. It looked like the outfit she was wearing was what what Willow was wearing is what she wore, wears in the gift. So yeah. even then, it'd be like it's from the rap party season <laughs> five. I mean, entirely possible. <laughs> so, uh, but the the faces all briefly turn to skulls in the in the photos, um, which is ooky spooky. So. Uh, Willow calls Xander to warn him. Uh, Anya's trying to get Xander to wake up. Uh, she can't sleep. She wants to play word association games. Xander has no problem sleeping, no. by the way. <laughs> uh, I think the game that Anya proposes sounds fun. She's going to she's going to pick a word. An adjective. An adjective and describe it using accurate but misleading clues. And he has to guess. Um, yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, but the phone does wake Xander up. Uh, uh, Anya explains... Tara... God damn it. Willow explains the situation. Uh, and while this is happening, Anya leaves the room. And a uh, great like horror movie shot of her kind of coming in from the dark uh, living room. Uh, in like the background while Xander's mm-hmm. on the phone. And when we see her, yes, her eyes are all white. Yeah, right when she comes out of the shadows too. So. Yeah. Yeah, and she's got this horrifying smile on her face. Uh-huh. Like she's like honestly, giggling. Yeah, honestly, looks pretty similar to uh, Pennywise. Yeah, just for like a hot second. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's got a knife and is slicing up her face. That's something that something about someone self mutilating while like laughing or smiling is very creepy to me. Mm-hmm. Like that's one that's one of those things that really gets under my skin. The uh, dissonance was, um, of it is... God, like, what a... I'm trying to remember. I don't think it was in Hannibal, but, like, somebody just, like... I seem to remember something, some kind of horror movie where, like, somebody is, uh, like, cutting off their own arm or something like that. Uh, um, well, I think 
I mean, thinking of in Hannibal, the show, there's the scene where Mason Berger is like cutting off bits of his face and feeding. That's it. it to, that's it. That's yeah, it. That's feeding the one. it Season to Will. Three. Yeah, he's yeah. feeding it to Will's dogs, but he's like laughing while he's doing it, and he like, I don't know, he says something like fucked up, like. Well, because um, what was it? Hannibal put that in his head, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, I just remember being super creeped out by that. Yeah, it's it's a creepy scene. Yeah, I also felt so bad for Will's dogs. They shouldn't have had to go through that. Mason Fargo is a bad dude. I don't feel bad for him. Um, yeah, uh, and it is worth noting that uh, the glass that Buffy broke is gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, when uh, Xander gets a hold of Anya, you know, her face is fine. Yeah. Um, can't, she's too pretty. We can't, we can't be messing with that. Don't mess with the moneymaker. Um, the, the next day... The um, thing cover finally out of that night, right? <laughs> uh, how we felt at the end of Halloween Kills. <laughs> um, oh boy! So the next day, we're in the summer's backyard. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> um, we're in the summer's backyard. Uh, the summer's backyard's gonna get a lot of play this season, more than like it usually does. Um, but uh, the gang's discussing. What happened the night before? Well, it was like, it's not a haunting because it happened at two different places. Um, Anya suspects that it's a hitchhiker. Um, something that uh, traveled to our world uh, with Buffy when she was resurrected. Uh, so they have to figure out how they're going to kill it. And I love when Buffy comes out of the house and she's like, oh, are we killing something? <laughs> just love killing here I go killing again <laughs> picking up right where she left off oh my gosh um, but uh, they they explained to her what's going on and um, Anya what is Anya says something really incense I mean no, Tuesday um, Anya yeah, well, says well, they, really... well they ask uh, they ask Buffy something and uh, she, oh, she tells them about the pictures. And yes. she says, oh, maybe I'm going crazy. And uh, and that's when Anya says, like, oh, maybe you are going crazy from being in hell. Yeah. And then when they all look at her, she's like, no, you're fine. Yeah. So that is, <laughs> but that is something to note. Um, everybody, uh, except for maybe Dawn, but definitely the secret Scoobies and also uh, Spike. Um they are constantly holding on to the fact that, like, you know, whatever happens, uh, we did this. It was worth it because we got Buffy out of the hell dimension, which is mm-hmm. why the ending just hits so fucking hard. Yeah. And they, you know, they bring up Angel again. Willow tells Tara that when Angel returned from hell, he was basically feral. Um, and I, I love that detail because it, it really helps sell me that they believed that Buffy was in hell because of their experience with Angelus. And I I kind of touched on that when we were talking about bargaining, but I didn't want to go too far into it for risk of spoiling the end of this episode mm-hmm. because it's a, if you don't know, it's a pretty, I don't want to say it's a shocking twist because once you hear it, you're like, well, of course she was. Like, of course she was in heaven. Like, where well, else would she have gone? It's, I, I, I remember the first time that I heard that and... All I could think of was they wouldn't do something that horrible, would they? Like, they wouldn't pull her out of heaven. Sure enough, they did. Yeah. 
and you know and they use angel as their as their excuse and and you know from their perspective i see how that logic tracks they died in similar ways but um it just makes it all the more heartbreaking um once the truth comes out and i i do like that this episode kind of plays with the idea that like there are consequences to the spell and from the scooby's perspective from everyone's perspective except spike and buffy they dealt with the consequences Mm -hmm. and but no the consequences are so much worse than they know that that is very much uh what people constantly say about season six is that the big bad is life yeah (laughs) (laughs) we do get a little more specific with big bads this uh this season um we'll, we'll get into that later but uh later on the season but we do get uh it's not an inaccurate statement to say that this is probably the least the most foggy big bad Mm -hmm. in that the central villain doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily the biggest story yeah it's i mean which again (laughs) is probably why the season is so polarizing because it is so structurally different from every Buffy season, mm-hmm. including season seven. Yeah. Which we haven't got into yet. There are, I mean, I see people debate all the time on like Reddit and Twitter and stuff like who slash what is the big bad of season six. And there's like three options, but, um, and I, I feel like a lot of it is about perspective, mm-hmm. you know, and your life experience of which, um, at the magic box, the group is, um, doing the research, doing some research. It's night again. <laughs> Buffy misses Giles. She misses Giles. Oh, that line is so heartbreaking. It just probably because I think right now what she wants to do more than anything is tell somebody about what happened mm-hmm. to her. And yeah, and at this point, Giles is who she's thinking of. Mm-hmm. But when Giles isn't there, that what does she do? She goes to the cemetery looking for Spike. Yeah, I just I also think it's so interesting that Willow. When, when Buffy says she misses Giles, Willow kind of, like, reacts... She The way she... She kind of goes, like, a little defensive. And she's like, oh, I know I'm not as good at, this, at the research as Giles is. But, you know, like... It's like, Willow, pay attention. That's not why... She's not saying she misses Giles because she wishes he was here to help with the research. She well, misses him because she loves him. Yeah, and like, no, like... Well, in, in Willow's mind, like you said, they're dealing with the consequences of their actions and... Willow sees the problem in front of them, this demon, and Mm -hmm. that's the priority. Yeah. Which is why she's, like, completely missing that how much Buffy is, like, suffering. Yeah. Because from her perspective, of course, she's like, why Buffy shouldn't be suffering? Like, we saved her from suffering. She told us that she's fine, so clearly (laughs) she's fine. Um, Nobody's ever lied about being fine. Never. Especially not Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) The, the woman who frequently puts everyone else's feelings and emotions above her own. Um, so Buffy does decide to go out patrolling. We get a beautiful shot of her um, in the graveyard walking past the statue of an angel. And um, just briefly as she passes, the wings are on her back. Um, which is... If, you're, if, you, if you go in and you don't already know... you probably wouldn't even notice it um but like knowing i was just like no she is an angel fallen angel um i wouldn't call her fallen i'd call her she's kidnapped fall- uh she's kidnapped fallen angel. out of heaven because <laughs> you make me feel like 
I've been locked out of heaven. She's a pushed angel. <laughs> um, but yeah, she goes uh, to Spike's place. Uh, Spike is in also some emotional distress. He punches the wall and gets a similar bloody knuckle. And um, he he opens up to her about the guilt that he has felt. Um, that if he had protected Dawn like he promised he would, she wouldn't have had to have jumped. And he has a line that I've always really, really loved. He's like, you know, he's like, I did save you. Like, not when it counted, but every night since. And we can just see how much this has been eating at him. Um, yeah, it's... This is very different from the spike at the end of season five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that spike was very different than the spike at the beginning of season five. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're really going on a journey with him. Um, at the magic box, it's nearly sunrise. Uh, Xander goes to Tara and he asks, uh, because of what Spike said to him, he's like, hey, could the spell have gone wrong? Did Willow not tell us everything that maybe we needed to know about the spell? And Willow get Tara gets very defensive of Willow. Um, but I mean, and I'm, I'm curious, uh, I'll see what, curious what you think. Do you think she gets defensive because she's having the same sort of doubts and thoughts that Xander is and she doesn't want to acknowledge that? Or do you think she's coming from a place I, of legitimately just defending Willow and trusting Willow? I, I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, because you have to remember that she knows more about the spell than Xander and Anya were told. Right. Because, you know, when, when Willow's vomiting up snakes, (laughs) that's when, or excuse me, a single snake, (laughs) uh, uh, she, like, she tells them, like, no, this is supposed to happen. So, I think, uh, I think the... I think she might be a little scared of Willow mm-hmm. uh, because she does constantly ask um, Willow if she's okay, and uh, and she has that whole she has that whole scene when they're like right before they get haunted by uh, by <laughs> Buffy by the Buffy apparition. Like she says, "Hey, we're in the room. We're in bed. You can talk. You can tell me." Mm-hmm. So she. She knows that she's that Willow's been keeping stuff from Xander and Anya, um, and I think that could like throw in a little bit of uncertainty mm-hmm. about like, wh- oh, what are you keeping from me? Yeah, but uh, you know, Tara being a good good girl like she is, she's she's sticking by her girl. Yeah. So, um, Willow figures out that um, the. Um, uh, the demon. Um, oh, we skipped. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. We skipped over Don breathing fire. Um, it's it's not a massively important scene, but Anya comes back after Buffy's gone out patrolling with some coffee, um, and hot chocolate for and Don. hot chocolate for Don. The demon starts screaming at them, um, and then breathes fire. Then breathes fire. I have you ever noticed that? Michelle Trachtenberg, when she gets in these really emotional scenes, how far out her mouth goes from her 
Like I, I haven't. I, I, all, all I can say is that I. You laughed uh, so hard. I, I well, I did because just the transition, and the fact that she was audible when you when she was breathing fire, just like ah! <laughs> it was. <laughs> to hear Michelle Trachtenberg do that was really funny. Oh my gosh. Um, and also just the visual of Don breathing fire. <laughs> like nobody else breathed fire when they were possessed. Just Don. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. This this demon really needs to get a get a gimmick. Uh it's it's really all over the shop. Um And honestly, this is kind of the point where the demon lost a little bit of its scariness to me. Mm-hmm. And came across a little more silly. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, the final scene that the demon's in, when she's just like this very poorly CGI'd wisp of smoke, that did not help the demon's case. No, I was getting uh, uh, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost vibes. Almost, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, at the Magic Box, Willow figures out what the demon is. She explains that it's not something that... It wasn't a hitchhiker, it was essentially a price. They, um, it was something that was created when they resurrected Buffy um, as a consequence of their um, of their actions. And uh, Anya rightly explains, "Well, that's not a price. That's a gift with purchase." <laughs> <laughs> um, but to destroy it. They would have to undo this, uh, or destroying it would undo the spell that resurrected Buffy. And uh, Dawn fucking flips. Um, she doesn't even, when they, like, they're all like, we're not going to do that, we're not going to do that. But she's freaking out so badly, she's not even, like, registering what they're, what they're saying. And I don't blame the poor girl. Like, um... I do like that of them, it's Tara who's the one who, like, gets through to her. Because, um, I mean, let's just be honest, Tara is the most emotionally intelligent in the person in the room. Um, <laughs> um, luckily, however, the, uh, the demon's lifespan is limited. It will just die itself. Um, That's convenient. That, right? Uh, unless it is able to kill the subject of the spell. And of course, uh, the demon has been like kind of inside Xander the whole time. And, as, and so Xander's eyes go white for just a second. Like, thanks for the tip. Also, come on, demon. Don't, don't show your cards like that. <laughs> um, I, I was about to be like, this demon is not very bright, but it's only a couple hours old. Um, <laughs> even Dawn's older than this. <laughs> <laughs> not by much, but <laughs> yeah, she's like a full year old now. Yeah, <laughs> happy birthday, Dawn. Uh, Buffy returns home, where she is pretty much immediately accosted by the witch's ghost, um, and uh, no one calls Buffy. Xander, Anya, and Dawn are driving there, and apparently Xander's going very slowly. Um, and uh, Tara and Anya, Tara and Willow. God damn it, I'm so bad at this. Um, I need a new job. <laughs> um, they are working on a spell to uh, make this demon fully corporeal. At the moment, it's kind of like a, it can be corporeal when it chooses. Um, and it chooses to be corporeal when it's hitting uh, and not when it's being hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this this fight is... 
between Buffy and the demon, the wispy version, is it's it's clunky not just because of the bad CGI, but I'm also like, why are we in Buffy's room for this fight? It's such a small space; it leaves almost no room for any any real like fight choreography. Also, also um, when Xander, Anya, and Dawn show up, like they Buffy tells them immediately to get Dawn out of there. So. Why did they even go? The, I, yeah. I get that they were like worried about Buffy, but why did they? <laughs> it's it's weird, right? I, I'm assuming that maybe Dawn had the key to the house. I, <laughs> Dawn is the key to the house. Yeah. Um, Not anymore. Um, Dawn being key. It's no, but you're right. It's weird. Like they don't know that Buffy is fighting the demon, so like no one bothered to call and warn her. Well, they do know that Buffy is like they know the demon's coming after Buffy. They know it's coming after her, but they. But they don't know that it's gotten to her yet. Um, so, like, why didn't they call her to warn her? I, I don't know. I think a lot of my problems with this would have been solved if we saw them calling the house, but Buffy couldn't answer because she was already fighting the demon. And, and then we see the three of them driving there. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, I'm just like, phones are faster than cars. <laughs> like, that's... It, it was weird. It's... Um, but um, they, Tara and Anya. Tara and Willow. Thank you. Just, just so defeated. Um, <laughs> Tara and Willow are doing the spell. They're sitting. Uh, they've got some shit around them. And they're doing a um, what sounds like a pretty complicated uh, chant. We get some fancy camera like loop around them. And then Willow just pulls back her hand. Some light shines on her. Tara's like, the fuck? And Willow just looks up, eyes open, all black, and just says, solid. And the demon becomes solid and is decapitated. Let's talk about how fucking powerful she must be at this point to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, that is... um, I mean, we've seen how much, literally, that one spell, how how much work went into it, and up until the point where Willow just said, fuck it. Like, I'm doing this my way. I think she's fully starting to, she's finally starting to realize just how much her power has grown. Mm-hmm. And and I think, like, the, the spell of bringing Buffy back to life really kind of, like, showed her, like, yeah, I'm on a... I'm on a new level. Yeah, I'm on a new level. <laughs> no, I mean, really. She's like, I bought. She's like, why am I wasting my time chanting? I brought my best friend back from the fucking grave. I can make this ghost lady solid. <laughs> like, like that's kindergarten shit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Buffy kills the demon by decapitating it from the axe she pulled out from under her bed. Love that for her. Um, because actually in my mind, and I must've been conflating it with a different episode, I was thinking that like part of the reason that Xander, Anya and Dawn was there was because Xander was going to grab the ax from the living room and like throw it to Buffy. And I'm almost certain that has happened in another episode, Probably. but, um, cause I was, when I was having that thought, I was like, she really should keep at least one weapon in her bedroom. <laughs> it would not surprise me if, um. If the Buffy bot had put that there, like, uh, oh, I'll put this right here and then go recharge. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, they she kills it good and dead. Um, Don's just like, oh, that's one of those things that I'm not supposed to see. Yeah, and um, yeah, the next day, uh, Buffy makes Don lunch. She's all peppy. She's like, you know, we killed the demon, and also everything's getting back to normal. I mean, I, I guess I'm not sure like what. High school dress codes are now, but she is wearing a really short skirt. Oh, I didn't even notice. Or maybe like maybe her legs are just really long. I mean, she's very tall, but uh, it seemed like uh, I guess I guess this is the uh, the old the old dad and me. <laughs> uh, you're not going out like that, young lady. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We were watching. Um... We were watching Easy A the other night. Oh, I um, love that movie. I did too. Well, I, I quoted it. We were out, like having dinner, and I made it. I quoted it, and John didn't like get know the quote. And I was like, "Wait, you've never seen Easy A?" And he was like, "No." And I was like, I, first of all, how's that possible? Because it's like one of my favorite movies." Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got... literally watched it at your all's place when um, when I wanted to spend the night because I think we'd been drinking that night, uh-huh. and uh, you guys had gone into uh, you guys had gone to your bedroom. But, was this at uh, our old apartment? Yeah, mm-hmm. but I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't a. I wasn't like ready to go to sleep, and so I put on Easy A because I. I don't think I'd watched that since. Uh, since, or maybe, God, was that the first time I watched it? It might have been. Was it? Oh, yeah. it, I, I don't remember it at this point. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. And, it's really good. Um, but there is a line in the movie when because um, we watched it when we got back home because I was just like it's an hour and a half so like it's not a long. Mm-hmm. But there's a line where when she's talking to um, Lisa Kudrow's horrible, shitty, <laughs> awful character in that movie. What an awful, vile person. Um, I say that I love Lisa Kudrow, but oh my god, that character is despicable. But she says, she's just like, hey, I'm abiding by all dress code rules. Like, my, like my skirt has never gone past my fingertips. Because that's like, at least when I was in... Well, and I'm sure it was the same when you were in grade school, too, when we had school uniforms. Like, mm-hmm. that was, for the girls, that was the skirt rule. It was like, it couldn't go past, uh, the hem had to go past your uh, your fingertip. Um, yeah. I, I love that little detail, though, that she's, even though she's, like, the bad girl now, she still makes sure that she's not breaking mm-hmm. the dress code. Um, so, anyway. Also, I always forget that Malcolm McDowell's in that movie. I know! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I mean, we can we have to acknowledge the MVPs of that film that are Stanley Tucci and Patricia Clarkson. Oh my God! Every like, time they're on screen, Stanley Tucci is dad. Go- <laughs> like, I'd like to think that my idea of the dad that I want to be is a combination of Stanley Tucci in that movie and Ty Burrell as as Phil Dunphy in Modern Family. Oh like gosh. that is that is dad goals for me. <laughs> I just love that when he's like. He's like, it sounds like you're having sex in here, but I know that can't be true because you have a homosexual boyfriend. <laughs> Guys, we cannot recommend Easy oh, A enough. Gosh. Like, it very much the um, the movie that proved that Emma Stone could be a star oh, because, like, you know, I feel like her one of her first things was Super Bad. I would say, I think, but she was very much a supporting character yeah. in that. Super Bad definitely got her because she was also she also had like the house bunny and like a couple oh other, yeah like, that's right a couple other movies around the town but i think it was super bad that really got her noticed mm-hmm. and then easy a pushed her into stardom yep. um so 
Anywho, at the magic box, uh, Buffy comes in and she's like, she tells her friend, she's like, you know, now that we've all of that's passed us, I was in hell and you all saved me. And Willow, thank you so much. I'm really grateful. And Willow's like, oh, bring it in. Um, bring it in, bring it in. And then she goes outside, out back, and Spike's there um, in the shadows. Spike, it- it's day. You know it's day, right? <laughs> He's like, but you don't understand. I'm a main character. So my um, my uh, tolerance for sunlight is higher than other vampires. Mm. Angel gets it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he, wa- he walks around in reflected sunlight all day at the Hyperion. Right. Um, so he's basically like, you know... Um, I, I was about to come in, but I heard you all doing your Scooby thing made my heart want to, or made my stomach churn, so I decided to hang out here. And she's like, you know, I just want to be alone for for now. And he's like, okay, cool. And then he starts to walk away, and then he's like, well, I actually can't leave. Because um, She's of like, that's okay, I can be alone with you. Which I like is, that line. I like that line a lot because there's two interpretations of it. That I think could be equally true. One is like, I want to be alone, but I don't mind that you're here. But the other interpretation of it can be like, even though you're here, I still consider myself alone. Like one is like, I, I, I think it's more the first one. Yeah, I think it's more. I, th- I agree. I think it's more the first one, but I don't think it's. I don't think the last, the, the second one is not present a little bit. Um. So, this is when Buffy confesses to Spike. And I'm just going to let Buffy do the talking here. Um, He tells her, Spike says, Well, I haven't been to a hell dimension of late, but I do know a thing or two about torment. And Buffy says, I was happy. Wherever I was, I was happy. At peace. I knew that everyone I cared about was alright. I knew it. Time didn't mean anything. Nothing had form. But I was still me, you know? And I was warm. And I was loved. And with that line, this is Harrison again. Um, when she says, and I was loved, she doesn't say it, but I feel like there's very much, like, the implication, the subtext there is, my mom was with me. Um, she says, and I was finished, complete. I don't understand theology or dimensions, any of it really, but I think I was in heaven. And now I'm not. I was torn out of there, pulled out by my friends. Everything here is hard and bright and violent. Everything I feel, everything I touch, this is hell. Just getting through the next moment and the one after that, knowing what I've lost. They can never know. Never. Happy Christmas, everyone. <laughs> oh, boy. It's, it's, it's horrible. We're going to start with this. The way she, Sarah Michelle Gellar, like, the line by my friends she like spits that line Mm -hmm. um so i've like i've thought about this um i as i've said i haven't watched this episode like i didn't remember much about this episode except this last scene mostly because it um it shows up as the previously on buffy when you get to once more with feeling which is an episode that i've watched several times but I I think about her description, and honestly, 
it's something that's oft associated with descriptions of a peaceful afterlife. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you think about it, it seems so unbelievable mm-hmm. because you, you think that, like, you've reached a state where there's no worries, no cares. And you think, like, oh, well, you know, sometimes I've been in, pla- I've been in places and it feels just like heaven. But you have to think that even if you're very much at peace, if you're on, like, vacation or something, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you you think you don't have a worry in the world, you know that you have a worry in the mm-hmm. world. Even if it's just like, oh, I hope I didn't, I hope I, I hope I didn't park too long in, like, the two-hour parking spot or something like that. It, there's always going to be a worry. Mm-hmm. Um, or even, like, uh, oh, like, uh, once I'm done with this massage... I need to like make sure that I wash all the oil off of me. It's so it's very hard for me to picture a lot an existence that is carefree. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, and it's it goes beyond description. Yeah. And then in this case, you have to think about being pulled out of it, and. Yeah, you're not mincing words. Buffy's not mincing words. Like it is hell. It's and it's very different. It's a very different. Um, it's a very different uh, depiction of the of the idea that this world is hell mm-hmm. from what we saw in Angel season two. Yeah, but yeah. it still holds. So the uh, Buffy verse. Buffy verse <laughs> is going through some shit, man. Yeah, it's just so. I feel so bad for Buffy. And like the, just on top of everything you just said, knowing that this was done to her by people she loves and who love her and like knowing that they did it in, cause she can't even be like angry at them. She does, you know, she can't even have that release because she knows that it was done out of love. Um, and this is causing her such horrible, horrible pain Honestly, she has to take that on. This storyline feels more place in Angel. The idea of (laughs) of good intentions having not so great consequences. That sounds more along the lines of Angel than it does Buffy. I have seen some people say that they actually think that Marty Knoxon, who, as we've mentioned, is showrunner now, um, would have been a better fit as the showrunner of Angel. Um, And, you know, seeing... I mean, I, I will I'll say, I don't think Marty was a bad fit as showrunner of Buffy at all. But knowing season six and seven of Buffy like I do, and also thinking about some of her other work, um, in particular, I'm thinking of Sharp Objects. Um, yeah, I can, tell Mama. I can see... God, I, I want to do a rewatch of that. Like, I... Oh, that's so good. But I can I can see how Marty's voice would have fit right into the world of Angel mm-hmm. really easily. Um, but yeah, but that's Afterlife. Um, I really like this episode. I I think it's I le- the demon itself. Like you said, after it cuts up Anya, it loses some of its power. But it's also such a minor part of the episode, despite being like the central thread. It's it, it's more along the lines of a means to an end. Yeah, because this is meant to deal with. Th- this is meant to follow up on basically like what Spike said. It has consequences. Yeah, and 
um, to give us an idea of where the secret Scoobies stand, where Buffy stands, and honestly where Spike and Dawn stand as well. So it is a it is a kind of like really weak plot that is more of just a vehicle for character development. Yeah, and I think all the character stuff in this episode works. Mm-hmm. It all lands for me. Um, like I don't think there's a false moment for anyone. Um, so I'm like waffling between a three and a half and a four. I think I'm going to feeling, I'm feeling generous. I think I'm going to land on a four for this one for me. Um, because weak monster of the week, um, aside, everything else just really lands and is really powerful. And that last, that last speech, I mean, that's a star in and of itself. I'm going to go with three, uh, just because, um, the character work is great, but as soon as you start bringing in the really weak monster, it does rob the show of momentum. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it does like get, it does make scenes like the fight in Buffy's room and, uh, Dawn breathing fire, (laughs) just like, just gonna have some dry mouth. Yeah. It's just like, um, it, it, it kind of throws off like the quality of the episode Mm -hmm. overall. Like it, Again, it robs the momentum of the character driving, so of the character development. So, yeah, I'm gonna give it three, three coffees from a bookstore that became a, a bookstore that sells coffee, and then became a coffee store, a coffee shop because it's like evolution except not getting better. Such a good line, um, and so true. Unfortunately, um, all right. Any final thoughts before we we shut down Afterlife? Just, um, I, I said this before we started recording the episode, but I do think this is, like, probably the the hardest that Buffy, the darkest that Buffy goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned there are moments in Season 7, but this really, just the idea of being pulled out of heaven um, into a world where, and, you know, we've seen everything that Buffy struggles through. Mm-hmm. Like, her her life especially in season five was already like a personal hell. Yeah. But the fact that she went through all of that and I mean, for lack of a better word, earned the rightful reward, Mm -hmm. the well-deserved reward of arrest of a um, person who did good things. She, she saved the world a lot. Yeah. Um, That that was taken from her. That is just, tragic af absolutely it's so funny because i know when we were recording those episodes especially in late season five we were talking like this is the darkest the show's ever been this is like i think both of us were doing those recordings saying all that and like the unspoken thing was but it's not the darkest like it's not the darkest the show's gonna be yeah (laughs) all right take us out my friend thank you for joining us on booze and buffy We apologize for all the feels right before Christmas. (laughs) um, We'll be back next week with our final episode of 2022. Mm -hmm. Angel Season 3, Episode 4, Carpe Noctum. Yes. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N.
And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yummyj357. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. And you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out A-N-D. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we are highlighting the Clean Air Task Force, C-A-T-F. CATF builds momentum for solutions based on scientific evidence, intellectual integrity, and pragmatism. They know that the climate crisis is too complex a challenge, and the stakes are too high for us to limit the tools at our disposal. They challenge conventional wisdoms and explore every opportunity that offers promise, and have done so for more than 25 years. Visit CATF.us for more information. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Goodbye. Bye.